Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. It's Nick here. And today, we're going to cover a topic which has had heaps of people coming to me and asking for me to cover it quite quickly in terms of, I'd plan to sort of do this a bit later on in the episodes, but considering you've asked for it, here it comes. Today, we're going to talk about how you raise funding to scale your business. Now, the reason I didn't want to do this so early on in the um, in the various episodes that I've done is because I think we're talking about, you know, startup to scale up. And a lot of people, I don't want people to jump ahead too much here and think, hey, you know, raising investment and raising funding is going to be the game changer for what I need to do because my view on this is, you know, funding's important. You need to fuel your growth, but you also need to make sure that you've got the fundamentals of the business in place first. And again, it just depends on where you are in your journey. I don't propose that people go out there and go crazy with funding because what I'm going to get into today is the opportunities of how you do that, but also to some extent, the risks of what you're doing and giving up uh, when you go down that process. So anyway, you asked for it, here it is. <laughs> so we're going to cover quite a few things. Firstly, before I do that, first, I just want to thank everybody who's been listening to these first few episodes. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I've been overwhelmed by the amount of questions and comments uh, from, from everybody, from you guys, from the community around the first few things that I've covered. And um, I'm certainly going to take on board all of your suggestions for future content uh, because that, for me, as I said, was one of the main reasons why I started this podcast is to make sure that it grows around what people want to hear. And my experience of things is relatively broad and I'll try and cover all the different areas as best I can. But as I said um, at the very beginning, in episode one, I want to bring in experts who can really, really help on some of the more challenging areas and certainly things that are uh, are beyond my experience. So um, look forward to those in the near future. I'll certainly be posting some of the future topics and content on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. So look out for those things. And if you want to contact me at all, you can always email me at nick at fielding.global. That's nick at fielding.global. And I'm also on Twitter, which is at Nick C. Bradley. So at Nick C. Bradley on Twitter. In fact, for those that have already tuned into episode one, and if you remember, I talked about mission statements and how important they are. If you've created your mission statement, if you've uh, been inspired by what I talked about on episode one, please tweet or email me this week. And what I'll do on a future episode is is read some of those out. Um, I think that'd be quite useful for everybody else who, who may have listened to that episode and are struggling to work out what they do uh, or what they should be doing around that. So if anyone's brave enough to be able to share what they've done, um, as I said, I'll happily read that out uh, on the podcast. So today's episode, extremely popular one around raising funding to scale your business. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things here. 
I want to cover the various ways in which you can go around sourcing this funding. Um, a lot of you will know what those are, particularly if you're currently in the journey to work out how you're going to get funding for your business. The second thing I want to cover really is just a few thoughts of my own personal experience to give you the best chance of securing investment. I've been down a number of different pathways in my own businesses and also helping others. So um, I have some experience of what works and what doesn't. And there's a couple of things that I think to simplify potentially how you're thinking about funding, which could be quite useful. So we'll get into that quite soon. So before I do that, my story around this to share with you, I've, I've got two different, actually probably three things to sort of cover here. First one is when I started my first business when I was 18, I, I just bootstrapped it. And it was a, as I said, it was in a sort of fitness um, arena. So, you know, you need to have, you need to be relatively um, clever with how you're going to raise what, what can be quite capitally intensive uh, a need at that point. Because, you know, if you've got a gym or, you know, your own private studio, you need to buy equipment. And I didn't have the resources to do that. So what I did, I did two things. I got some really good advice on how I could lease equipment over time. So it became just simply part of my running costs. And the other thing I did is I collaborated, partnered with a local gym and used their space and their equipment, which was significantly more than what I could do. And remember back, we are talking a long time ago now, uh, the idea of personal training was a new concept. So going into a gym and sort of even ex explaining what that was, was, was just random. Um, definitely a lot of strange looks in the face, but, uh, you know, that back then I didn't really know anything and I didn't have the money, so I had to be resourceful. And there's a phrase that I really like, which is if you're trying to, um, grow your business to, um, create something that really works for you in that way, it's not a lack of resources that you have. It's a lack of resourcefulness, um, you, when, when you first hear that it kind of smacks you in the face and you go, Right. So actually, if I explore all the various avenues with a very clear vision of what I'm trying to achieve in my business, then I'm probably going to get there. And actually, when you think about it, there are many, many ways of getting to where you want to be without necessarily you know, having to, um, let's say, find the cash yourself. And I want to go through, go through that now. Second sort of experience for me um, was when I first had to go and raise um, some money to buy a business. Again, this was a business that, you know, I was buying for myself and long story short, we were going to be doing a, a deal which was um, financed by the vendors. And what that simply means is that you agree a price for the business. Um, you have some money that you have to raise yourself, but the majority of the payments, if you like, are back to the people who are selling the business. And the benefit to them in that type of deal is that they can often put an interest charge on that, that vendor finance. So they're getting a kicker on the fact that you haven't got the cash up front to pay for a business. And the second thing is they don't have to be there. So essentially they're getting the benefit of some of the earnings of the business coming to them, but they don't have to turn up every day and be operational. And that business was, you know, worth quite a few millions actually. So, you know, I didn't have that as cash per se, but, you know, of course, if you're clever around how you leverage things, you can, you can get access to that money. And I'm going to take you through the learnings of how I raised that money um, from private equity, actually. 
But I think those same principles apply to all the other areas that I'm going to go through in a second. Um, so that's broadly kind of the context. Let's get into it. Um, I'm conscious I'm not going to just read out a list that you can go and Google around sources of funding. What I'm going to do is talk around the various areas, but give you my perspective on what they are. And to some extent, where I think they're most applicable, depending on the stage that you're at uh, in your journey with your business. So to kick off, the first one is is obviously personal investment, um, essentially your own cash. And without question, well, actually, <laughs> some people would argue that raising debt when interest rates are low is a great way to do things. But in terms of if you don't want to have too much stress and you've got the money, then investing your own money behind what you're doing is the best thing. And the other way to think about that is, is also using the retained earnings of your business depending on where it is. So without you know, geeking people out with all sorts of financial terms here, retained earnings is simply you know, the money that you're making in the business. So if you're generating a profit and you're generating cash, then you, know, you just simply have to allocate a certain amount of that money to fuel the growth of what you're trying to do. Um, a lot of uh, people that I've mentored, certainly at early stage businesses, have had a real strong mantra about profitability and some of them have actually taken their businesses to really good exits just off, off this, this sort of philosophy. But the quid pro quo, if you like, of that approach is that you're essentially going to have to take a hit somewhere. So that may be that you don't pay yourself as much or you don't leverage as much and you're taking a short-term degree of pain to get to something which you think longer term is going to be more compelling for you financially. The second is uh, friends and family. And often if someone's at very early stage, particularly if they've got a fantastic idea which they think they're going to get some wider investment from another community later on, this is almost a proof of concept and a lot of people will go out there and they will do a raise. It doesn't have to be heaps. I mean, a lot of people get confused about how much money do you need to put in to be an investor. You know, it can be a couple of grand if that's all you've got. It can be, I mean, I've done a few which are sort of like five and 10 grand sort of investments into this type of thing with, with people that I think have got a good concept because certainly in the UK, you can leverage um, tax efficiency um, through EIS and SEIS um, schemes, um, which I, again, I'm not sure how applicable that works in, in the US and, and other countries, for example, but, but either way, it's worth looking into. And I'm certainly happy to, um, to do a bit of research for people from, from other countries if they've got any questions and contact me about that. But, you know, you can put some money in and depending on the amount, depending on the stage of the business, um, if the business fails, because it's such an early stage idea, then you know you can get some of that money back. And in many cases, you're going to be paying that money in tax anyway. And it's a way of driving entrepreneurship and innovation through through the system, if you like. And I think it's a great way that you can support good ideas um, in a very efficient way. And it's quite exciting, I think, to be able to put your money into an investment that you believe in and certainly people that you believe in and and getting a return and actually, you know, shaping that journey for them. So Friends and family, it's often called, and I hate this, it's called love money. I mean, uh, sometimes these terms just, you know, <laughs> they're just mental, aren't they? Um, friends and family is better. But the context is you are going to, as I said, the people that you know to ask for investment in your idea. And often, often that is earlier stage businesses. 
The third and fourth areas um, I'm going to bring together a little bit. They are different, but they do align. And often they align because there's a pathway to both of them that's reasonably sequential. So the, the third stage is angels. And angels is another one of those terms that gets used a lot, but I think it's not a bad way of thinking about it because it's a usually a high net worth individual. Um, sometimes can be a family office, which is a you know a, a wealthy family. Um, they can often operate in consortiums, so a group of high net worth people. But what it really is is people who have obviously been successful in their career and their business, and they want to put their investments directly into ideas. So the only difference I think between this and friends and family is to some extent, the degree of the relationship. So an angel, you may not know the angel. Um, you may get introduced through a network, but you are pitching in the same way directly to them for them to invest in you and your idea. And it's a great way, a fantastic way, particularly if you've got something which is very, very different. If you're going out there just trying to raise money to support the business that you've created, which is a lifestyle business. And, you know, again, nothing wrong with this. You might have a professional services business like an accountancy practice, a law practice works brilliantly. You know, you can, of course, go to angels and raise money, but more often than not, these people are looking for quite large returns off clever ideas. And again, they can also leverage some of that EIS positioning I mentioned, certainly in the UK. So it becomes a tax efficient way for them to drive investment. The step beyond that is venture capital. And this is the first real foray. I mean, there is there is a discussion to be had, I suppose, around when you're raising money through angels and through friends and family. Are you giving up some equity in the business or are you essentially borrowing money for a period of time? I mean, across, across angels and VC, you are often giving up a percentage of equity in the idea and the business. So depending on how comfortable you are with that um, versus, you know, debt, which essentially is you're taking a loan, you'll pay it back, but you still retain the the share in the business, dictates whether you should go down this pathway. Now, again, what I see, particularly working with a lot of technology businesses, and there's quite a lot of market distortion around technology, so many ideas, so many platforms out there at the moment, they'll go to VC businesses giving up it can be, you know, so let's say 25% of their business. But what can be a large chunk of money? So let's say, you know, you've got an idea and you think it's going to be worth tens of millions of dollars, pounds in the future. Going and raising a million, say, dollars from a VC off the idea for 25%. Well, you know, you could say, I'm giving up 25% of the business. But in reality, what you're doing is you're getting a significant injection of capital to even realize your idea. So I like the concept behind both angels and VCs, depending on the business model that you've got, but you must be well aware of what you're going into. I've seen, in fact, there's a couple of businesses um, I've worked with recently who have got a mismatch of, of angels and VC and all sorts of things, and the governance and control of that business is stifled because of the complexity of that shareholding. So you just got to think it through. And the other thing I want to point out with VC is they they speculate a lot in terms of their investment strategy. And what that simply means is they're not expecting all of their investments to work. I mean, I've heard all sorts of different figures, but 
you know, one of the ones that jumps out is, you know, somewhere between 15 to 25% of the deals that are invested in by VC are expected to get the return on the whole fund that they are investing. So that, that clearly means that 70 to 80% of the investments are expected to fail. But that one idea that goes really, really well pays back all of the investments in the other ideas that end up failing. So again, if you think of it like that, that's nothing to be scared about. It's just the way they invest. But you've got to realize that the way they're thinking about their returns are going to be short term. They're going to be looking for, for, you know, fast growth. They'll lose interest if things aren't performing very well and that can become quite stressful. But if you're prepared for that and you need that level of ignition behind your business idea, um, it's a great option to look at. So moving on, we get into sort of a couple of quite strange ones. Um, one of them's, when I say strange, they're sort of newish. There's, there's the concept of business accelerators or incubators. Sometimes these are privately funded. Sometimes these are uh, government funded, could be linked to something that a state or nation is trying to drive forward. And these are often sort of stipulated again, they're very early stage often where someone's got an idea and they all get put together in a group often often a, um, the same working environment where you can draw on resources from all the different things that you need, need when you're starting a business. So again, this sort of stuff is, is quite early stage. Similar to VC, in, in, in some cases there's equity given for, for that type of support and mentorship as well as cash. And these are common very much. I mean, they started, I mean, they've been going for, for a long time, but they've really taken off with all the tech investment that's happening across sort of West Coast America and now is, is more commonplace around the world. And this is where I still see a lot of distortion in the market here because there are lots and lots and lots of businesses going through. If you were going to do a, you know, how big is the funnel of entrepreneurship in the world today? I, I think it's, it's almost become a celebrity status you know, you got to, you know, ask kids what they're going to be doing when they're going through sort of, you know, high school, university, when they want to be entrepreneurs. And more often than not, it's tech entrepreneurs. And um, these sort of incubators obviously provide a mechanism for that. So it depends on where you are. I think a lot of people that have contacted me so far on on the podcast are not necessarily all trying to go right at the startup in there. They're either sort of past that stage or have businesses that are not tech businesses and they just simply want to scale. So so again, I don't want to spend too long on it, but that's what they are. Crowdfunding is the other one, which just by definition, small amounts of money from lots and lots of people. Um, yeah, there's a couple of watch outs here. It's complex because the more people you've got involved in your investment can become quite challenging in its own right. It doesn't mean you have to deal with every individual who puts money in. It's not done like that. You you basically go to one of the um, the crowdfunding platforms, like Kickstarter is one, for example, and you have your idea and you, you, you come to terms of what that's going to be, how much money you need to raise. The, the thing I sort of suggest, though, is that this works quite well if you have a strong brand um, and you have something really unique and interesting that is topical in the niche that you're trying to serve – um, because that's where you're going to get groundswell. I mean, there was a an interesting business um, that I didn't invest in, but was considering investing in. Um, it's called um, Aura Ring, and what it is 
It's a, um, a device which basically does sleep tracking, um, similar to Fitbit and, you know, Garmin and all that sort of thing, but you wear it as a ring on your finger. And the science behind it is more compelling in terms of the data that it can take. And that raised funding through this mechanism and did really, really well because it was topical around health, fitness tracking, stress, sleep, all those are very topical things. And this was a more novel idea of wearing something more functional day-to-day a ring as opposed to two or three watches, which, you know, uh, is not my thing at all. So, you know, have a look at that if that's of interest to you, but it, it, it's something that I think you, you can give a lot of value up um, for something which seems quite trendy when my view on all of this, when you're raising funding, is don't do anything that's going to get you in an onerous position. Get the amount of money that you need in the right structure that you need that's going to allow you to fuel growth, but try and get something which is both manageable for you in terms of how you have to manage stakeholders when someone has invested, but also doesn't give up the value that you want to create in the business itself. So moving on, next one is uh, government grants. And they can be local, they can be international. Um, in the UK, you've got access to UK ones, but you've also got European funds. These um, are a great option in the basis that you don't have to pay them back often, um, but it's not uncommon for you have to, to match what you've asked for. So let's say you need to raise 100 grand, you know, that's fine. You've got to go through a really full-on process but you may also have to put 100 grand in. So if you've got some cash and you want to get a bit more from it, then this isn't a bad option. The problem with it is it can take a hell of a long time. You've got to jump through hoops and hoops and then round other hoops and back through hoops. Um, There's a certain degree of governance that you can't just get the money and spend it on anything. So you have to justify a lot. So I like this one if you've got an agenda which really is based on a social purpose and it aligns perfectly with where there's going to be some funding from from a government anyway, why not go down the route of aligning what you're doing to something like that? Because you're going to get an investment to grow and scale, which is going to drive growth for you and, and obviously your aspirations in your business, but you're not really giving anything up other than time and probably you know, a little bit of complexity and to some extent the annoyance of having to work through these these various um, uh, areas where you need to kind of tick the boxes and put the crosses in and sign this and sign that. And it depends on what your appetite is. But again, depending on the business, it's again, not something that you should uh, ignore. Um, and then you get into the obvious one, the best will last, <laughs> I don't know, uh, debt. Debt, bank loans, borrowing money. Most small businesses will do this as a way of scaling. And I think, you know, again, when the cost of money is low, uh, many people would suggest that, you know, you should be leveraging um, debt as much as you possibly can. And I, I, I think if people come and ask me what they're doing, particularly in a business which is a bit smaller, which is a great business, but not necessarily differentiated, technology-enabled, all those things. I say, well, if you can't raise the money through your own personal investment, retained earnings, friends, family, then then the next one is definitely debt. And the only watch out I say here is uh, just be a little bit cautious about how you raise the debt. I'm not a big believer that you should do personal guarantees. 
a lot of people, you know, if they haven't got assets in the business that they can use to raise um, this type of um, money, will, you know, put their houses up. And there are ways around actually getting insurance on guarantees if that's, you know, where your risk appetite lies. But I often find that, you know, to, to raise debt, you should just be a little bit clever with it. And sometimes having a mix of debts, retained earnings, friends and family and others is a better way of looking at a portfolio of funding into your business as opposed to just going down one stream. So, I mean, that's my view of the landscape of funding. Um, There's probably nuances um, in there, commercial loans, there's all sorts of other things, but I don't want to spend this, this whole episode going through all of that because as I said, you know, you can go and research that. This is not what I'm trying to do. I just want to give you my perspectives uh, to to accelerate any of the things you're thinking of in terms of what you're trying to do with business. So, so if I just sort of go through those and sort of give you my very much headline on it, um, if you're a small business that is, as I said, not overly differentiated, you need to grow, um, you've got some good ideas, it might be that you want to um, buy a competitor, all that sort of thing. Um, my view is, Try not to go down the equity route unless you have to. Look at the other sources first. So look at look at debt, look at friends and family. If if you're going to go into anything that sort of starts to play with the equity side of things, then look at the angel piece. If you're a tech business um, with a great idea that's going to turn into millions and millions of pounds and you're prepared to absolutely navigate the world of equity and everything else, then certainly look at the angel and VC combo. Um, Business accelerators, if you're very early stage and you can sort of, again, put up with a veneer of mentorship that comes with that. Um, In some extent, private equity, which I haven't spoken about in sources of funding, because it's usually something that's very much the latter stage when you're going to sell your business. Uh, That said, there is quite a distortion again in the market around how much how much money is floating around private equity. And what you're starting to see is quite large funds have been raised and it's difficult to deploy that money into quality businesses. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a supply and demand thing at the moment going on. So you're seeing private equity firms making minority investments, minority stakes in businesses that would be considered more early stage. And that's often when they're trying to roll those businesses up with other platforms that they've invested in to create faster growth and scale. And if you're in the right environment and you've got the right niche, that can be a really good option. You are ultimately selling a percentage of your company, um, you know, as I said, it can be quite a high percentage, but you can also take some money off the table with that. You can get some working capital in the business and if you're really clever with the negotiation, you can also sit there and take a piece of the further upside when they sell, you know, potentially the group that they're creating by investing in your business. So not one to be ignored, but it is usually at the early stages. And I know from my experience in private equity, the minimum that we would normally look for, certainly in the UK, would be around £500,000 of EBITDA. I mean, if you're over a million and you've got some sort of play of technology in a in a very defined niche, then you know you can do very well. But if you're a business that's you know generating less than that, then you know my recommendation would be to look at other options first because you'll be wasting your time 
and you're just not ready. But it should be something that's on your radar longer term because it's not just about investment then, it's about how you're realising to some extent a capital event and, and creating your own wealth. So just to finish off, um, hopefully all that's useful. As, as I said before, hit me up on you know any of the social media channels for comments. Happy to delve in more detail for anybody personally and point people in the right direction with these things. Um, but what I want to finish off with today is just probably back to my personal experience, you know, having spent almost a decade in, in private equity-backed businesses and observations, learnings for me personally and what I've seen with, with others about how you put yourself in the best possible position to secure investment. So there's three things. First one is, <laughs> coincidentally, I'm going to call them the three P's. And this isn't necessarily copied from uh, anything. It just sort of came to me when I was when I was kind of planning this episode. So the first P is the person. The second P is the pitch. And the third P is the plan. So let me just break them down. And, and I'm going to bring this back a little bit to my, my private equity story beforehand when I was trying to raise some money from that vendor finance deal I mentioned. So this surprised me. Um, when I was trying to buy that business, um, the the deal fell through with the vendor financing option quite early on for, for lots of reasons, which are going to bore you and not really appropriate for the podcast. But let's just say when you're doing deal making, lots of things happen and you've got to be pretty quick on your feet to make the right call. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I had to coincidentally go and raise the whole money, the whole lot, Um through another vehicle. And to be clear with you, the amount of money I needed to raise was 13 million pounds. So I went out to my network and got some advice and I managed to get in front of seven different private equity firms with nothing more than five PowerPoint slides um, and me, really. And um, one thing I learned from that process was the plan and the pitch were really important, but the most important thing was me and my absolute clarity on what I wanted to do with the business, my absolute clarity on the vision, the strategy. Uh, my conviction was, was, was critical. Um, of the seven that I pitched to, I got three offers within about two or three days for the full amount of money. And a couple of those offers were really, really compelling offers and, went, and I went ahead with one of them. Um, and it just surprised me. It was the first time I'd actually really gone and pitched to this type of investment before and for that sort of money. And, and a lot of it came down to, and I found the feedback afterwards, is they were buying into me first and foremost, the white of the eyes thing. And then the rest of it is, is, is also important, but that's the first thing you've got to think about. So however you do it, you know, in, in the first few episodes here, I did talk about the importance of mindset, the importance of your vision, all those things. I, I can honestly tell you on those days and that week that I went and pitched for money, it was that stuff that was successful. And that's why I'm a big advocate of those things. And that's why I talk about it um, and we'll continue to talk about it on this podcast. The second thing is the pitch and the pitch is not so much about the pitch for the business because that comes into kind of when you get into the detail, but it's a bit aligned to who you are. It's, it's the pitch about what you are, 
why you are who you are, what's important to you and what's your greater personal vision, right? And it's, again, the pitch that you have about how you're going to create value from the business idea that you're seeking investment for. So a bad pitch is often one where you say, oh, hi, um, my name's Nick and, uh, yeah, I work in a marketing agency. We're looking to kind of grow by buying some other marketing agencies and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's nothing wrong with that in terms of it's right, it's accurate, it's factually correct, but it doesn't excite anybody. And a lot of the time, who you are and how you pitch is going to be the thing that, that takes takes the person sitting on the other side of the, the desk to another place. They need to buy into your energy. I'm going to do a podcast soon just on how to pitch and how to, how to use a thing called frame control, which is how you win the room, how you influence, because I think the, the things I'm talking about here are that. And it, it's important to be able to have a strong business plan, which is the third P, but I've deliberately put it as the third P because if you don't get the first two right, if you don't get your own personal conviction and your pitch right, I can tell you now, you're not going to give yourself the best chance of winning. You know, you'd have to have a very, very good plan for those other things to be uh, not important or ignored in the way that you're trying to, to raise investment. So the third one is the plan, the business plan, and that is that's where you, you need to sort of talk about the current state to desired state of your business, how how that will win in the market, how it's differentiated in the market, how you've researched the key trends and you know exactly how to match the problem that needs to be solved with your offer, uh, how compelling that is through the numbers, through the P&L, through the EBITDA, the contribution over time. But it's not very much. So a lot of people think when they do a business plan, it needs to be, you know, this, this very lengthy document. More often than not, you know, you do need to have the finances done well. You know, I always recommend get a good sort of corporate facing accountant to build that plan. Make that rigorous. Yeah. Spend your time. If you're going to spend any money outsourcing this stuff, get that right. Yeah. But the rest of it has to be about what you're getting across in the style that's important to you. So often when I'm doing this piece or helping others, the first thing I do is how attractive is the market? How is the market evolving and changing? What are the trends? What's the problem to be solved? How am I best placed to solve that problem? How have I solved that problem already in terms of customers, case studies, all those sort of things? And crucially, what is this investment going to do to accelerate the plan that I'm already on? So it's, hey, I'm already doing this. Look, here's the evidence. Now, this investment is going to allow me to just simply do that at a faster, quicker, more compelling scale. So it's no risk. And then you present the financial numbers and the financial numbers, all they do is back up what you've presented. And then you finish off with, and we are the best team to do this. And obviously, they've already bought into you if you're pitching. But that's when if you've got other people who are involved, it could be non-execs, depending on where you are. It could be technology business, your CTO. That's where you show you have the winning team. And that's it. 
So hopefully lots to take in as always with my podcast. I tend to go into quite a bit of detail, so rant and rave. But the purpose of today was really just to kind of open up the how you raise funding to scale equation. And, you know, you could uh, you could probably tell I could go into each of these ones and literally unpack all of them and probably have a strategy for each of them. But I'm also conscious that's going to bore you know, half of the people listening to this. So this is a high level view. But just to summarize again, raising funding for your business is important depending on where you are. But don't think it's a panacea of you have to do it um, through, you know, some of the more dramatic means of, of venture capital and all those. So there's a point where that comes into play, but there's other things to consider first. And no matter what you do, whether you're turning up to speak to your bank manager, your partner, potential investor and angel, the three things to really get right is being clear about who you are, what's your inspiration, your reputation, your personal brand, pitch, which aligns who you are to what you're trying to achieve. That's where the mission statement that I talked about on episode one of this podcast comes into play. And then the third area is the plan. Good understanding of the market, good understanding of where you are now, a simple investment to get to somewhere quite extraordinary, and then the numbers to back it up. So hopefully you've enjoyed that today. Thank you very much again. And as I said, if you want to contact me, email Nick at fielding.global and Twitter is Nick C. Bradley. No, sorry, at Nick C. Bradley on Twitter. And just to remind you again, anyone who has created a mission statement that is prepared to share it with me, which means I'll share it with the rest of this community, then please send that through. And until next time in business and in life, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now.